Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have the fabulous Barry Eaton. Barry is joining us from Australia, where he is well-known as a mainstream journalist and broadcaster, as well as the host of his own radio show called Radio Out There. Fear and uncertainty surrounding death started Barry's journey into the spiritual world in 1991, and he now refers to himself as an astrologer, psychic, and Johnny-come-lately medium. Barry is the author of several books, including the book I'm now reading and holding in my hands called No Goodbyes, Life-Changing Insights from the Other Side. He has also helped produce Australia's Afterlife Conference in Sydney this year, at which he was one of the speakers as well as the Master of Ceremonies for the three-day event. Barry Eaton, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I've never been introduced as the fabulous Barry Eaton before. Oh, wow, I'm impressed. Yes, <laughs> yes. And there's so much about you. I thought, how do I condense into just a, a short introduction when you're just a, a great man and you've done a lot and you've got an awesome voice? Um, so, first oh, of all, that's, thank that's you. very kind of you to say so, Sandra. I, I have done a lot, but when I think back, you know, I've been on the planet this time around for quite a few years, <laughs> so I managed to squeeze a few things in. Well, it's so good, and it sounds like you've been following your passion. If you would, Barry, just a little bit about yourself. Home is in the Sydney area? Uh, no, I was no? born in the Sydney oh, area. Okay. At the present stage, I've moved a little further north out of Sydney. Okay. Um, up in an area known as the Byron Bay area, very a uh, big tourist area up here, but I live in the in the hinterland uh, in a lovely rural setting. I can look out at my mountain in front of me here, and it's Aww, just beautiful. That's beautiful. It sounds great. Great place to write. Yes, and you have several books that we'll be getting into. But could you give us a little bit about your background? Because it's uh, not everybody, every day someone just wakes up and decides to study the spiritual realm or um, just a little bit about you and your past and maybe a little bit about uh, being in broadcasting and journalism and things like that. Sure. Well, I started off many years ago. I was going to become the next great Hollywood actor, but I suddenly found out that oh. I wasn't all that good. So oh. I got into broadcasting. And, <laughs> but I was offered a, actually a six-month theatrical tour and a two-year television contract, so I picked the TV contract. Neat. And, uh, and my path was set, which I did for many, many years as a mainstream um, TV host, uh, radio host, and um, sports and news anchor, all sorts of things. Did the whole lot. But then when I had a marriage breakdown in 1990, I was doing a radio program at that stage with a clairvoyant, funnily enough, one of my radio programs. And she said to me one night on air, uh, you know, you're going to be doing this sort of thing yourself very soon. I said, oh, come on, really. I, I just don't have time for that. I'm, I'm doing radio programs. Right. I'm also running a PR business, a video production company, as if I've got time to worry about, you know, doing anything more than this for one show a week. She said, no, you are. Well, my marriage broke down and I suddenly had this realization I needed a new direction in life. Right. And one of my other guests on one of my other programs was an astrologer. And uh, I was quite impressed with the information he was coming up with. So I said to him one night, Gary, I'm going to do your course next year. He said, what? I said, yes. He said, where did that come from? I said, I really don't know, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. So I did. And that formed the platform for a whole new life direction. I still continued with my media work, my radio and television and, and whatever, but then it opened out. So I had two streams where I was um, a, an astrologer and that led on to working as a psychic as well. So I was doing that at night, if you like, or at various odd times and still working as a news anchor and various things like this. And that just developed until I, I met my late partner, Judy, in 1993. We only had four short years together. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, even though we realized that we had a huge soul connection, mm -hmm. she passed over very suddenly in 1997. And I was then given the opportunity to contact and stay in contact with her. So then my medium side of my, uh, of my life opened up and... The rest is sort of history, I guess, that uh, it's led to a couple of books and, and a whole new life, a, a radio program now that concentrates purely on mind, body, spirit matters. And uh, as I said, Sandra, uh, a totally different life. 
Oh, Barry, if we can ask you just to go back a little bit. Um, I know when I started this journey, I was a major skeptic and didn't believe in anything unless I could experience something myself. And then I had a whole chain of mind-blowing things that I started experiencing that I realized that absolutely life after death is real. Can you just remember back and some of the first things that happened or maybe some stories that when you maybe developed as a psychic medium and some of the things you saw and I mean there I would think that there were some aha moments that you really knew that this is the direction for you. Well, I think it sort of happened gradually rather than the eureka moment with Mm -hmm. me, Sandra. I always knew that there was something more. I always just intuitively knew, for instance, that reincarnation was a normal part of the life cycle. Uh, That's no surprise to me. But back in the very early 80s, I started working on uh, various other radio talkback programs, callback programs, Mm -hmm. and um, a guy called Mark Gruner was uh, a regular guest. And Mark is a numerologist, and he had a lot of world experience. He traveled and toured all through America, and, and every time he came on the program, the switchboard would light up. Sure. And absolutely amazing. In fact, uh, I, we used to have to block the switchboard off about an hour beforehand because people would sit there just waiting, having got their call <laughs> registered for <laughs> half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, just waiting to get to talk to Mark. This intrigued me. So Mark and I started having a few sort of off-air chats as well. And he started to, to really teach me about various aspects of, of life, of the spiritual side of life. He'd studied in a London mystery school many years before that. Mm. And he, it wasn't sort of a formal education that he gave me, but it was more like a series of chats. And it just opened me up to a whole new area but I think that the defining moment was more when I had my, actually it turned out to be my second divorce, which is a, a painful, is very painfully expensive sort of uh, sure. life as well. So the universe was saying to me, come on, you know, <laughs> you've tried it twice, now it's time to do something totally different in right. your life. And um, then I had another defining moment where I was working with uh, another lovely astrologer by the name of Robert, uh, not astrologer, a psychic, I'm sorry. And he took me into his home one day and we had a little ceremony and he inducted me into the psychic arena, if you like, the psychic club, Hmm. society, um, I don't know what you'd call it. But he had a beautiful Chinese guide who came through and I had to sort of uh, agree to certain things if I was to do this work, Uh, one of which was that I would not do readings for myself but if I wanted to get some information, I would seek it from other people. And uh, I would not, because I know a lot of uh, psychics and clairvoyants will, will spend a lot of time doing readings for themselves. And that can be, well, very misleading at, at, the, at best, I guess. So there was this more of a series of things, Sandra, that happened rather than just one aha moment. Hmm. And I'm glad it happened like that because, you know, working full time, in the whole area of radio, television, the media, um, it, it's it's all-encompassing kind of work. And to be able to suddenly switch one world off and another world on, I guess might work for some people, but obviously not for me. So it, it had to be a gradual merging of the two worlds. And you know I've never thought about that before. So thank you for asking that question. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm having the same thing happen to me. I from a skeptic became a believer uh, wrote the book I still have a full-time employment I own a business with my mom and the things are growing so much in this arena um, with life after death and who I'm meeting yeah. and what I'm sharing and just like someone looked at you and said you'd be doing this someday so I had someone look at me and say you're going to be speaking on these giant stages in front of thousands of people and you're going to transform the conversation about life after death on this planet and meanwhile i barry i didn't even believe in life after death so it was just like nah (laughs) you're talking to somebody else you know that's certainly not me you're talking about so i i know how it's coming about and um we yeah. just have to trust But you must have been process. an open-minded skeptic, though, Sandra, because, I mean, if you're totally closed-minded like most of the skeptics I've come across, they, they, they're not real skeptics. They're debunkers rather than, than mm. being the original concept of a skeptic which right. questioned things at least with an open mind. Yeah, I did have an open mind and I had fear, uh, just fear of dying. That made me just... I think that's general. Got to 
there's must be some kind of something that's going to rest yeah. these fears and faith wasn't enough um sure. so back to i don't want to say it's your first book because i think you have a couple books written about dogs don't you no, 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 no. That's, that's another, another guy? Barry. Oh. That's another Barry. Do you know, yes. I was well, looking on... One of the on, reviewers in the States actually quoted me as writing that. So if he's yeah. listening or get a word to him, please to the other Barry Eaton. I'm not trying to cash in on your dog experience. No, I, really I just thought it was great. Okay, he's passionate about helping people with uh, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I think no, it's handicapped dogs also. So I'm like, what a nice man. And you, you are a nice man. So I like dogs. I love all animals. <laughs> I'm not the dog man. <laughs> well, dog is God spelled backwards, right? That's true. So would your first book be the book Afterlife, Uncovering the Secrets of Life After Death? That is my first book, yeah. yes. Okay. So. And I have written lots of other things. I've written documentary film oh. scripts. I've written a couple of movie scripts and all sorts of things. But, but they were the, that was my first book, Afterlife, which came out here in Australia in 2011 and in the States in 2013. That's fantastic. And what is the subject? I mean, I know it's uncovering the secrets of life after death, but just a little bit about that. How do you get this information about what the afterlife is, this information for these for your books? Well, look, I think as in all kind of research, it starts in an area. In fact, it was quite an interesting uh, genesis for this book. I, I wrote a book which I was going to be, in my opinion, the sort of idiot's guide to mind, body, spirit, mm -hmm. or spiritualism, or whatever. And I took it to a friend of mine who's a publisher, and she came back and said to me, look, we can't publish it because it's, it's just too sort of all over the place, but how would you <laughs> feel about writing a book? Well, too many subjects, you know. Right, <laughs> yes. She said, how would you feel about writing a book about um, life after death, reincarnation, all of those subjects, now, just in that particular area, which was one of the chapters? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, Sandra, but – when a publicist says to you, would you like to write a book for us? Mm. You don't turn around and say, no, you either take my first book or that's it. You know, you say, yes, of course, I'd mm -hmm. love to. Sure. And that was another defining moment in my life because my very good friend Maggie Hamilton, who's a, is a beautiful, beautiful, I referred her as an earth angel, she became my mentor then and um, my first publisher and my mentor. And it, it was a, it, that was a total change of life, let me tell you. But Afterlife emerged then from various sources. I'd been doing my radio program at that stage uh, on, uh, on the internet for about seven or eight years, wow. nine years maybe, but I was doing it on mainstream radio before that even. And um, it, it just sort of felt in certain areas that I was, I was talking to people about life after death, about all sorts of uh, areas. And then I started to get in touch with uh, people on the other side through a couple of different mediums. Okay. I then had spiritual regressions, past life regressions, and I was regressed and took over into the other side. And the book emerged so that I actually followed my own journey as as the sort of bed for the book, if you like, from the death in my previous life, or when I my body died anyway, in uh, in my previous life, through to the birth in this particular lifetime. So I went right through the entire life between life process. I'd like to hear more about that. I think we all would like to hear more about that. Yeah, well, that, that, was, that was the whole basis of Afterlife. And I'd also got in touch with through a, um, another guy I was helping uh, develop his abilities as a trance medium, a very, very um, talented man who is a natural trance medium. And I was, I was helping him, taking him down because I was doing also past life stuff, regressing people myself. Neat. And I took him, I took him down <laughs> That's into... That's cool stuff. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think so too. I, I, past lives really fascinated me. Uh -huh. But anyway, I took this um, medium down into deep trance and all of a sudden this, uh, this man came through in one of our sessions and his name was John Dingwall. John was a former screenwriter and film producer here in Australia whom I'd met a few times. Mm -hmm. But we were not great uh, colleagues or anything like that. But John then started coming through with some amazing information. And I thought, my God, this man's got, he must be a really advanced spirit. He's only been over on the other side for about five or six years. And already, you know, he's got all this information. Well, it turned out that John is actually the spoke spirit 
for a whole group of spirits at various stages in the afterlife because the afterlife is multi-layered, as you know. And there are these spirits at all levels of the afterlife and they speak through John. So my other uh, major guide that I have on the other side, uh, whose, whose name is M, he just coordinates and helps me write my books, uh, he confirmed that he said, look, it's, it's like um, you as a news anchor. You've got all of these journalists and correspondents and producers and all these people behind you, but you are the one that the public sees or listens to when you're uh, delivering the news. And that, and that made sense to me. So this is what John does. So I call him my spoke spirit. And <laughs> he's got all this information being channeled, if you like, through him. So every time I ask him a question, it's not John that's answering. It's the thoughts of these other group members that are coming through him because on the other side, everything is communicated by thought. They don't have a voice box. They don't have a body. Right. So it has to be done through the power of the mind, through the power of thought. So the thoughts come through. But John, because he is actually in Kelly's body, is able to use his vocal cords, his voice box, and to be able to speak to me. So that became a prime source of my information along with other mediums and some other people I've interviewed and uh, and my own fantastic spiritual mentor, M, who, who came to me. Because as you know, we've all got guides, we've all got many guides, and sometimes when we have a major project on, we have a guide specially working with us on that. Well, well M, who is a master guide, I'm, I'm just so honored and, and so you know delighted to have him as my as my writing mentor. He doesn't do anything else, just works with me on books. And uh, he, he just confirms everything. So quite often I'll be writing and things will, the, the fingers will just go across the keyboard and I think, wow, where did that come from? And all of a sudden I, I just know and I'll ask him um, and he will confirm with me through my own thoughts. Uh, I also use dowsing a lot, uh, which is a, a wonderful way of being able to confirm all sorts of things as a dowser. I'm pretty impressed. Oh, this is, you, I, well, I have not talked to anybody who's spoken about trance mediumship, and that's uh, really exceptional. Just thinking about it, um, let me ask you. Oh a well, I've done it myself. I mean, it's not. It's not. Oh. Um, it's not as if it's. It's rare. There are a lot of trance mediums around. I I work mainly as a conscious medium, but okay. I've done a course over in the Arthur Finlay College in uh, in England a couple of years back, a week of trance mediumship, and I've. I've I bring through people myself. I just, I feel more comfortable as a conscious medium rather than giving my power away, if you like. But we all work in our own comfort zone, don't we? Yes. And the Arthur Finlay School, for people that are interested in this, I have never been, but I have spoken to people that have taken different courses there. And it, apparently it's um, pretty exceptional, some of the things that they offer. Oh, look, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They, they do courses all year round, week-long live-in courses. And uh, you just pick out whichever particular one and whichever particular level. I mean, you can start off as a beginner or else you can join some of the advanced courses uh, and then you, you develop your own skills uh, according to your own abilities, I guess, and also the tutors that you work with there. But yeah. it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful week of, of amazing amazing developments that's great for our listener if you want to find out more about some of the things we're talking about on we don't die radio.com you can see a picture of barry eaton and just below it will be some of the links that we talk about um and even a link to the arthur finley college because it, it's good good stuff can i ask barry how do you know or how do you see whether it's him coming through or um, another person visiting you through mediumship? Is it something you see in your mind's eye or what's the difference for you that you know it's not your own head talking, you know, yourself? Yeah, look, that, that's always the difficulty, isn't it, when you're communicating? There's always that little niggle that pops mm -hmm. in every now and then. Now, am I making this up? Am I... Uh, am I imagining this? Um, and then something will happen and it will confirm it. Something will just happen out of the blue, a telephone call or you'll read something in a book or hear something back or anything. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I also work with the runes a lot. I don't know whether no. you know the runes. No. The runes are fantastic. They're, they're little stones that go back. The Vikings used them for many years. And uh, there are 26 different runes 
And I was delighted to see that PMH Atwater uses the runes as well. We're about to work together on the next Afterlife conference here in Australia. Oh, very and, good. Uh, and she's an amazing lady who works, of course, with um, near-death experiences. And I was delighted to see that she is a, a rune uh, caster as well. And I would suggest that if anybody wants to know more about them, uh, then you can. It's, it is a form of consulting yourself. And I, I have never, ever been let down by the runes. Is it runes spelled R-U-N-E-S? Yes, the rune okay. stones. Yeah, rune yeah. Stones. But have a look at them because uh, every now and then if I'm really a bit bewildered, I'll, I'll reach into my little rune bag and, and scrabble around and one finds its way magically into my fingers when I ask a question. And within the context, and there's a guy called Ralph Blum who's written the book about this, I've interviewed Ralph also on my radio mm-hmm. program, and um, he has come up with this information himself, and there's something within that which will always answer your question. And if I'm in, in doubt at all, I will either pull a rune or I will just sit and meditate, and I know that during my meditation sessions, something will happen that will just automatically confirm exactly what I need to confirm. Oh, very cool and a new toy for me. Yeah, when I found out about dowsing, I spent a weekend at a dowsing boot camp. So there's really great things out there. And when you find well, something and you're passionate about it, you just But do you've got it. to trust as well, Sandra. Yes. I mean if if you sure, we, we all have to question. We can't be naive little right. uh, little fairies who sit around there in the corner and say, Oh, isn't that lovely? I sprinkle more fairy dust on me. I mean <laughs> that's that's fine. But, you know, we grow out of that when about four or five years of age. Right. We need to be able to question, but question with an open mind. And I just don't accept anything that I'm told without at least getting in there and either meditating on it, casting a rune, doing some uh, various other aspects of my own checking abilities, if you like, and cross-checking with, with other mediums. I have uh, constant work with other mediums who will then, out of the blue, confirm something that they have no idea that I need confirmation on. And that is, that is for me, uh, the clinching point. Can you give it an example of that? Oh, off the top of my head? No, oh, sorry. Well, we can get back <laughs> to it. Probably not. It'll, it'll, it'll come. Oh, well, look, yes, I can, actually. Okay. I can. Um, my late partner, um, Judy, passed over in 97, as I said, and we, um, we started to get in touch with each other through another another medium because she rang me out of the blue and said, would you like to speak to Judy? And I said, well, yes. Out of the blue? Someone rang out, you? Uh, oh, wow. Uh, well, no, no. Well, she rang me out of the blue, but we had known each other. She'd right. appeared, she'd appeared once on my radio program. Oh, okay. And then three months later, she just rang me and said that Judy wants to talk to you. That's pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. so we, uh, I went uh, um, across to, to speak to her. And the information that came through in that session, and I was still in, in pretty deep grief at the time. It was only three months after Judy sure. passed. And the information that came through in that session was, was just incredible, that, that Ruth was able to talk about details that Judy was talking about to her from spirit that she had absolutely no knowledge at all about. Absolutely no knowledge. Now, this has happened not once, not twice, but countless times. And, for instance, um, my latest book, No Goodbyes, I was working with another medium, a brilliant medium by the name of Ezio DeAngelis. And Ezio and I had done a a couple of stage uh, productions together, or not productions, stage appearances as mediums. And anyway, we had a session where he contacted Judy, but before coming through, he didn't know any of my family, and he said to me, I've got this man called Ernie who's coming through as the gatekeeper. There's always a gatekeeper with mediums who open, this this person in spirit opens the gate. He said, do you know an Ernie? And I said, "Um, yes, that would be my late father-in-law. And uh, he said, yeah, well, Ernie says, say hello, et cetera, et cetera. I said, okay, well, Ernie was the... father of the, <laughs> the woman that I divorced, actually. Oh. So still, he's still talking to me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he then said, oh, um, he's just bringing through Bill. Now, do you know Bill? Bill says he's a member of your family. I said, yeah, well, Bill is my father. Uh-huh. Ernie was my late father-in-law. The two of them got on like a house on fire because they were both Masons. 
and the two of them working together on the other side. Now, Ezio had no knowledge of my father's name, my late father-in-law's name, anything like this or their relationship, and he was able to come through with those names and with details about those guys that just blew me away because I wasn't, wasn't expecting to hear from my father for a start. I'd known, and this is another piece of the correlating information, another medium years ago had told me my father was working as... Um, as, as, as a guide on the other side. And I thought, oh, really? My father's working as a guide? I can't see that. I mean, he was a lovely man. Mm-hmm. That, okay, well, fair enough. I don't know what he's doing. Anyway, it turns out that Ezio confirmed this many, many, many years later. He said, your father is helping to um, guide people when they pass over to help them and welcome them, like a meet and greet service to bring them into the spirit world. And I thought, now, okay, that confirms the message that I heard years before that my father was working as a guide. How about that? That's wonderful, which leads me to this question. When our body ends and we think we're uh, dead or when we transition, what happens? Where, Where do we go? What's life like? From what you've learned, do you have a picture in your mind of if we can call it heaven, and earlier you referred to levels, and I, I don't know about levels either. Okay, well, the afterlife is, it's another dimension, actually. Okay. And this dimension vibrates at a much higher rate than our earthly plane. The afterlife is sort of not up there or down there or out there. The afterlife is this other dimension of reality that actually surrounds us. It's just vibrating at a far higher rate, so we can't actually see it. But the afterlife, call it heaven, call it paradise, Mm -hmm. the other world, there are many different labels, but I just choose the afterlife. Um, We go there according to, and, and where we end up is according to the vibration of our own soul. So as we develop as a soul, our vibration raises slightly with each lifetime or lowers according to our life's activities. And it's the vibratory level that our soul is at when we pass as to where we actually go on the other side. Now, we're all met as we go over into the afterlife, into this other world, and uh, we have this meet and greet service like my father provides it sometimes and other people, but there's usually other relatives, soul family members waiting for us to greet us. But then, like anything, it's, it's like being met by, uh, by some people at an airport. A whole group of us get on a plane and, and we leave. Which, which city are you in, Sandra? Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, okay. Mm-hmm. So you get on a plane, you go from Boston across to one of my favorite cities, Paris, okay? okay. We're all on the, all the plane to Paris. So we get off at Paris and we go through customs and we go through immigration and we get all those lines and queues and then we get out the other side and we – even though we've all got this common destination and we're going to do various things in Paris, some of us are going to be met by friends or family. Others of us might be met by tour groups or whatever, whatever. And we all then have a common goal as to where we go, but we all have our own unique experiences. Now, the common goal that we have is to return to a place called the afterlife, which is our real home. Okay. This is not our home. The earth, we are here on an earthly adventure. I a like soul. that expression, earthly adventure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's basically it. Our soul is an everlasting energy. It's a pure form of energy. And it's surrounded by the spirit. The spirit is the vehicle for the soul. The spirit attaches itself to us at the heart level, from what I'm told, and hence the expression of heart and soul. Mm-hmm. But when the spirit then detaches from the body, it then returns to its real home. And the body perishes, but we as a spirit and um, encompassing the soul return home. And it's like anything after you've had your adventure, you're met. You're met at the airport uh, by your friends, your family, whatever. Then you go off and you all go off into the various homes that you have. And uh, if you were met at the airport after you've you've had your trip to Paris, then uh, you're going to um, then go back to your place and your family and your friends will go back to their places. And it all might be according to the, the, the various socioeconomic conditions of their lifestyles. Same thing on the other side. So the rate of vibration of your soul will see you in the area or plane of existence, the sphere that re- you relate to. 
even though the world is there and it's such a vast, beautiful world from what I've told, we all have our own sort of sphere that we end up in. And we don't just sort of get the obligatory harp and cloud and off you go sort of thing and float mm -hmm. off into eternity. That's, that's, you know, cartoon, Hollywood rubbish sort of stuff. We go to those areas, as I said. We, we normally go and have some healing to start off with, particularly if we've had a, a, a very hard uh, passing, been in hospital or, or taken quite some time to pass. Right. We have to go through a kind of healing because we're taking the imprint of whatever we've had with us on our spirit. Okay. Then that has to be healed. After that, we have a life review where we work with a group of spirits, uh, quite often known as the Council of Elders, and we review our own life. We look at what we set out to achieve in that lifetime, whether we've achieved it. There's no judgment. There's no you know, nasty man there with a with a, a gavel and a, and a judge's wig on or anything like that. It's it's, hell it's, for you, heaven for you. No. That's right. Okay. There's none of that okay. because we end up in the area that we have created for ourselves. There's no such thing as, as hell, for instance. There's no devil with a pitchfork and a bunch of grinning demons there. Mm -hmm. But there are lower levels of the astral which could be regarded as, as hell because you have to go there to, uh, to learn, to atone, and, but you are helped. Everybody's helped. So the average person, though, uh, will end up in uh, one of those mid-level spheres, if you like, where you, you look back on your life, you work out what you've done, what you've achieved, what you haven't achieved, and you then go on and, and work with various groups as understanding why you did these various things and how you have impacted on other people's lives, what you've learned, what you haven't learned. And you are, in essence, preparing for your next incarnation because it's just a continuous form of life until we don't need to come back here anymore. So the life in between life stages is preparing for our next incarnation. It's also resting. It's also uh, recuperating. And it's not all hard work or anything like that. There's lots of wonderful activities we're able to uh, appreciate and, and even play things, like play music. And, and even though we might not have any musical abilities, we can learn, we can do all sorts of things in the afterlife. And we're encouraged to do these things as well. So it's an all-encompassing experience, but it's in essence preparing us and getting us ready in this rest and recreation period. I'm really and glad, sorry to interrupt, yeah. But the way you explain this, because I've heard before that there's no hell. and um, But you think of people that did some really bad things on earth. And it just seemed hard for me to believe. I mean, I know, I, I mean, I believe that we all judge ourselves. But it, it makes sense to me that some of the really terrible people uh, could actually see the impact, be working with others, um and that there's some kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, because of their well, actions. Some kind of, yeah, yeah. You, you have to atone or some kind of retribution. Yeah. Something. And not that I haven't done it, some bad things, right? And not trying to make other people Yes, I've bad heard about wrong. that, Sandra. Yes. You know, it's all over the internet if you look. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, terrible. <laughs> but entertaining. <laughs> uh, but it, it's really interesting to hear that. So, um, the level to which we are, I don't want to say good in this lifetime, but all those things that we hear about loving and forgiving and acceptance and being grateful and making a difference for others, all of those things I would imagine practicing them here will, you know, have us vibrating at a certain vibration, which we might be on a higher level when we transition, right? Yeah, well, that's very true. It's, it's, you know, life is what you make it. And if you happen to lead an evil life and you, you're you impacting in a very negative way on other people, whether it's, uh, you know, by selling drugs or, or going out and becoming a terrorist or, or whatever, you know, some dreadful things, you can't expect to be going, going over into the afterlife, going home and being welcomed and saying, well, you've been a naughty boy, haven't you? But yeah, <laughs> well, we'll forgive you just one more time. Yeah. No, of course you don't. You have to learn and you have to, Understand, and this is what apparently, from what I'm, I'm told, uh, we get to experience in a spiritual way the impact that 
that we have had on other people's lives. So if we have really, really hurt people, we get to understand and experience that pain ourselves. And how we experience that, I'm, I've, I really have to think about that because obviously you don't have a body to feel the pain, but there must be some kind of spiritual way that we, we have this impact. So we, yes, we are atoning, we are mm -hmm. understanding, and we are, oh, I won't say paying for ourselves, but, but anything that we do and, and the, the good things that we do, the positive aspects, the way we help other people, uh, the positive thoughts that we have are all part of the way that we raise the vibration of our soul. And it's not a matter of trying to be a goody two-shoes. It's, it's a matter of living life and doing it so that you are as, as working a decent life as possible and not consciously hurting other people or, or going, a, uh, going about creating negativity. And that can happen with greed and corruption and many different ways. So it's, it's the way we live our life. And we have to take responsibility for this. Self-responsibility is a huge huge part of our return home. Mm, makes sense. There's things that happen in my life and I am of the belief that I'm going to review it <laughs> someday. And so it's like, yep. Sandra, do you want to deal with it now or you want to deal with it later? Well, how about we deal with it now? You know, and so sometimes that'll have me either do the right thing or say what's on my mind or something. Um, Barry, what about um, addiction to alcohol drugs is it does um addiction and substance abuse have some any kind of reaction on a person's soul any impact very much so very much so sandra uh i was given when when i was talking with john and the spiritual group my spiritual advisory team i call them okay um, they would quite often come up with things that they wanted to talk about uh, I would go in with some questions into the various sessions we would have because each session with John lasted about 40, 45 minutes mm -hmm. and then the energy would, would really fade and that was about as much because he had all these other spirits on the other side holding the energy and I had some help on this side holding the energy as well but we could only hold it for so long. But they would quite often come up with things that I had no concept of wanting to even ask about and one of those was exactly what you asked about then and that's about drugs because when we do pass over even though we leave our earthly body behind the spirit that we take back has the imprint of whatever we are doing in this life with it particularly the negative impacts so if you're really uh, hounding your body with drugs uh, you're corrupting yourself with with all sorts of uh, areas that will leave an imprint, you take that back with you. Now, that has to be healed on the other side. So if you have been a drug addict, uh, a huge alcoholic, not only is it affecting you, but it's affecting other people as well. So this imprint stays on your spirit. Now, you may not be able to work all of that out during your sojourn back in spirit, and quite often, this then becomes part of your ongoing karma that you've got to come back into your next life and maybe the one after that to resolve. So in this lifetime, we may well be uh, working on karma from several previous lifetimes. Now, that could have been alcoholic. Uh, it could have been violence. It could have been many, many different things. But the current generation with this huge huge drug problem and mm. i don't know about it in the states but here in australia yeah methamphetamine, it's pretty bad yep uh, methamphetamine at the moment is is a giant problem we call it ice here and the the number of ice addicts is is quite frightening now they just do not realize what they are doing to their soul uh, or to their spirit the soul is not in in impacted as such because the soul is pure energy but the spirit the vehicle for the soul is the one that carries this imprint and that is the one that has this soul memory spirit memory and comes back with it into the next life but it's the the ripple effect that people are having and it's not only with illegal drugs but also with pharmaceutical drugs and if we are particularly being over-prescribed over with certain drugs. And I've just had an example of this in my own family in the, last, in the last week or so, how the impact of drugs, pain-killing drugs, when mixed as a cocktail, can have a disastrous effect, 
And I've just seen this with my own eyes. And people are doing this. And they are, and doctors, and I'm not having a go at doctors, Mm -hmm. but some of the some of the drugs that are out there at the present stage, pharmaceutical drugs have got, and I was looking at them the other day, they have a list of side effects that are as long as your arm. And yes, they might be trying to protect themselves against lawsuits. But when you see these drug side effects being played out in front of your own eyes, as I have done in this last week, and it's been quite chilling, to be quite honest, um, you realize and maybe this has happened in front of me so that I can understand the full impact of pharmaceutical drugs as well as the, the other horrible methamphetamines and heroines and, and many other drugs that are out there as well. Yes, we are playing with fire and we have to realize this and we have to be extremely responsible for this, not only if we're taking drugs, but also if we are allowing our body to be invaded by drugs. Wow. Um there's two directions that I want to go, but obviously I can't go <laughs> in the same places at the same time. Uh, I have not heard the distinction, the soul versus the spirit. I've always heard them used one in the same. Could you just speak a little bit more that we're a spirit with a soul? You know what I'm well, asking? Yeah, I mean, the, the soul is basically the same energy as that of the source of all creation, call it you know, another label here, God, um, the creator, the universal consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Um, they're, they're, God is not some old man with a long white beard sitting on a throne up there chucking <laughs> thunderbolts around. Okay. You know, that, that, is, that is a lovely Zeus-like right. um, uh, portrait. But I, I was delighted to be able to have a, a deep, deep meditation several years ago now where I, I asked and I, I'd interviewed Neil Donald Walsh about this as well, the, the man who had wrote those books, Conversations mm-hmm. with God. And uh, afterwards, I did my own meditations. And I was delighted to be able to connect with what I believe is my conversation with God. And I was shown a vast sea of energy. And I wrote about this in my book, Afterlife. I was shown a vast sea of energy, a boiling, wonderful ocean of energy. And that is the creative source. That is the image that I was given. I'm not saying that it's it's exactly that, but that was the image I was given so that my poor little brain can cope with it. Now, each one of us is a drop of that ocean of energy. So when we talk about being born in the image of God, yes, we are, but it's not a physical image. It's a spiritual or an energetic image. And that's exactly what we are. And it's like going down to the ocean and getting a bucket full of water out of the ocean. You can then take a drop from that bucket and look at it, and it's a perfect part of the water that you've just taken. Then you put it back into the bucket, and then you put that bucket back into the ocean. It all disappears. It all becomes, because it is only one. And that is how we are all one with each other, energetically speaking. And that was the, uh, the image that I was given and the explanation that I was given. So as such, we are immortal souls because eventually, after we've had our many, many adventures on this planet and and maybe others as well, as a soul energy, then we are absorbed back into that vast ocean of energy and we don't need to be able to have any more adventures on our own. But for it's it's the, the energy that we have needs a vehicle to protect the essence of the soul. So the spirit is there and the spirit is sort of surrounds the soul as its vehicle. And then in turn, the spirit attaches itself to the body as the vehicle for a human experience on planet Earth. Now, if we were to go into another planet where we are not uh, working as a humanoid, then uh, we would have some other kind of vehicle that we would attach ourselves. For instance, if we were on a planet with, which was pure gaseous planet, obviously we couldn't survive as a human. We would survive in another form, and that's how it works from what I've been told. That's a very, very good explanation. That makes sense. And within us now is the spirit and the soul, so it's not something we just attain when we transition. Um, not a question that came up for me is um, the way you spoke about 
uh, after we, I'm going to say die, even though we don't, but when we transition, um, there are many of us that want to make sure that our loved ones who've gone before us are okay. And will we see them again? Are we, are we comforted? I mean, we talk about different levels and I just thought, geez, what if I don't get to see my dad? What if I don't get to see my grandmother? You know, um, is there anything to fear or are we welcomed with open arms and it'll be great? You know, we are all welcomed with open arms. We're all met. And we are welcomed back into our soul family. We have a, a smaller soul family and an extended soul family, just the, the way we do here on earth. And we are still in contact with that soul family, even though we are here you know, on the planet. So have you had a dream about your father since he passed? Yes. Okay, you've been in contact with him. That is the most common form of contact that we have. They come back from spirit to let us know that they're okay and it's not just a dream. It's not just, oh, I dreamt about my father, my mother, my brother, whatever. Um, that was you as a spirit leaving the body at night because we don't, the body needs to sleep, the spirit doesn't. The spirit leaves the body at night and returns into various aspects of what we call the astral plane. And there we do meet up with our loved ones and also our guides, our spirit guides for ongoing sort of spiritual motivation, education, whatever. That is where we are communicating, not all the time, not every night, obviously, but we are there. And if you've, and, and most people can, can uh, confirm this, they've had a lovely, warm dream about somebody who's passed over. And I know it's happened with me. You wake up the next morning, you think, oh, that was so good. I, I feel, you know, amazing. I had some dreams where I connected with with Judy after she passed that I woke up in the middle of the night. It was so emotional. I sat up at three o'clock in the morning with tears pouring down my my eyes. And I knew, I knew that I'd been out there connecting with her. It's not just some kind of uh, weird Hollywood experience once again. We are in contact. And of course, we can communicate with them through mediums, and in many other ways. So many people talk about contact. They feel the presence of their loved one around them. They are with us. They pop in and out all the time. That's such a reassuring thing. And yeah, we don't have to go to a medium to connect with them. They're, we don't. I, I love the expression, hereafter, because it just sounds like they're vibrating all around us, and they are here. Um, they are. But the, the one thing that uh, always I think pops into many people's minds is, Oh, I wonder if my mother-in-law or my father or my, my whoever <laughs> is there at an intimate moment in my right. life. Right. No, they're not. It's just the same as if they were a, a guest in your house. They're, they're not going to follow you into the bathroom or, or watch you have a shower or anything like that. <laughs> that doesn't happen. They must preserve our privacy. And they, they just can't wander in and out, according to what I've been told, whenever they feel like it. They can be around us, but they, in turn according to my friend John, my spoke spirit friend, uh-huh. they in turn do need the permission of their own guides and controllers on the other side to be able to be around us. Uh, so they're not just there willy-nilly with nothing else to do. Oh, I'll hang around and, and see what's going on down on earth. They are here quite often in response to our needs or the fact that they wish to be around us and just give us the, the love that we know that, uh, that, that they know that we need. But they've got their own things to do over there all the time. So they're, they're not hanging around us, but they are popping in and out. There's no doubt about that. Do they miss us? They do. Um, I know that I had some feedback from a couple of medium friends of mine, uh, from Judy, saying how, particularly in the early stages, how she, she really missed us being together. But we'd only been together for four Earth years uh-huh. before she passed this time around. So there was a lot of unresolved stuff between us. We would have liked a lot more time together. We didn't get it. So that tearing apart was was rather um, tragic and very hard on both of us. But you know, since then, she's gone on and she's advanced because you do advance when you get over to the other side. It's not as if your spirit energy says, 
Yes, this is where you go. That's where you stay until your next life. You can advance as a spirit because they're working, they're helping, they're doing all sorts of things on the other side. And Judy, I've been told, and um, she told me, and, and a couple of other mediums have said exactly the same thing to me, once again, correlating information, mm-hmm. that she has advanced into higher levels. And there are many, many, many different levels in the afterlife. So now she doesn't miss me quite so much, and I don't miss her quite so much. I have a have a new partner that she was very instrumental in, in getting us together, actually. And an, another... And Anne, my current partner, is is another member of my extended soul family. We've been friends in in spirit, I've been informed, for a long, long time. So here we are uh, working at this stage of our life and, and being together as well. So it's it's an ongoing process. Hmm. I'm looking at some of the words I, I wrote down. Thank you for sharing that. So on our earthly adventure, Barry, um, you've, yep. you've mentioned meditation and... I'd love to say that I'm somebody who actively participates in meditation, but I get lazy and I don't. Any words of what meditation would would do for us, or why, why, why meditate? Good question. Meditation. I think a lot of people think you've got to sit in a corner, cross-legged, like yeah. some kind of yogi, and um, go oh, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Now you don't have to do that at all. Meditation is actually escaping from the mad world that we live in, and it could be for a minute, it could be 10 minutes, it could be half an hour, it could be an hour, whatever, and settling the mind, getting the quiet aspect of the mind, letting that that monkey chatter that the mind has, stilling that and allowing an ability to hear the silence in between your thoughts. Now, I've run a lot of group meditations, and that's part of what I talk about, is being able to hear the silence in between the words. And once you can start doing that, that's when our guides can communicate with us. That's when our intuition can come into play. Our minds are just so busy, so stressed, worry, everything that's going on in life, we don't pause to listen to ourselves or to any other person that's coming through, whether it's a guide, whether it's a loved one from spirit or whatever. It makes sense. If you think about it, it's like going to the Super Bowl with about 150,000 screaming fans around you. All of a sudden, you get a call on your cell phone and you want to have a quiet, intimate conversation. How are you going to do that with 150,000 people (laughs) screaming for their team? You can't do it. So what do you do? You say, hang on, guys, I'll be back in a minute. You go off, you go somewhere quiet and then you can focus on that conversation. It's exactly the same with meditation. Oh, that's a great way to explain that. I know, Barry, that I had taken a course in mediumship some years ago. And also, um, even though I, I didn't go on to be a medium and practice it, those times that I've been able to connect either with one of my deceased loved ones or I've been with someone, and all of a sudden, in my mind's eye, some stranger shows up. I yeah. remember talking to a woman and um, all of a sudden I'm getting a guy in a easy lounge chair and he was bald with a kind of a comb over and glasses smoking a pipe. And, <laughs> and I hear Fred, I can't remember the name, in my mind and the man's reading a book and it's like, you know, that that is out of the blue. And, and it, it was just so clear. But when it happened was some time that my mind was relaxed. I was just kind of being in the moment and just enjoying her company. And, you know, there's times when you're with somebody somebody, and you don't even need to say something. You know, you're just right there. And so all those times that I've had those moments, my mind's been pretty quiet versus, you know, how I feel like I normally am is just it never shuts up. So it, <laughs> you're, you're not a Gemini, are you saying? I'm not Aries. Oh, you're an Aries. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, you see, Aries need to have this challenge. They need to have the... Uh, the warrior status. They get bored very easily. So. Oh, that's a nice thing. Bore. I just have a busy, crazy mind. <laughs> of course. But it, it feels, but it does. It feels good if I just pay attention to my breath or just have some relaxation yeah. music on. And uh, but it's it's neat too because even um, 
I, I've had some questions to things lately that I just didn't have the answer for. And I, I don't know where it came from, but it was just one of these things where why don't you quiet your mind, let the question go and just be. And then all of a sudden the answer shows up. So exactly. there's so much, I call it magic, that happens uh, being in the present moment and those moments of meditation. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm looking at my watch and time always goes by quick. What haven't I asked you that you'd really like to share about? <laughs> How's that for oh, a question? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, look, I think the, the, the main thing I want to share with my books is, first of all, with when I wrote Afterlife, it was to help people get over a fear of death and also mm. to know that their loved ones are there and we never, ever lose anybody. I then uh, wrote No Goodbyes in response to um, John and the team from the other side who said, uh, you've got to write a second book now, when I thought Afterlife was going to be it. And they wanted to go much, much deeper into the insights that they want to give. They want to communicate with us here on Earth. They want to unveil some of the mysteries. And that's what they've done. Uh, through my book, No Goodbyes. I mean, there are some wonderful books written by mediums and whatever, but they all seem to focus on what Uncle Rob said or or what somebody else said and, and lovely, lovely conversations with people on the other side. But they want to go much deeper, and that was what I was chosen to do with my books, to reveal what they want us to know about life in the afterlife and also other aspects of how we can improve our life. And that's why we've called it life-changing insights from the other side, because they are there and they are looking at us and they can't tell us what to do, but they can whisper in our ear, they can they can help, they can and give us a little gentle shove every now and then, but it's still up to us and we have to accept responsibility. But they look at the chaos in the world and they know that unless we do something, we are you know, headed down a pretty rocky path at the moment. So there are these insights, and that was why I wanted to get this message out about no goodbyes, life-changing insights from the other side, because people do contact me and say that since I've read the books, fantastic. Yes, it's helped them come to terms with the fact that life continues. It's come to terms with the, the, their mother or father or whoever's passed over, and they feel so much better about that but it's helped them to change their lives, to rethink their life. And that, to me, is, is one of the great benefits and uh, of writing this book. And I, I didn't set out to write it with that intention, but that is something that has come through that absolutely delights me when that happens. So, so whether it's my radio programs on radio out there or whether it's through the books, um, I, I just want to know that people can start to take responsibility for themselves and learn and open their minds and get away from that stress and have the quiet times and and just allow. There's an old saying, let go and let God. Yes, I know that. Um, your book is very attractive. I have hundreds and hundreds of books, most of which I haven't read yet. And your, your <laughs> book came from your publicist a couple of days ago, and I was traveling, so I hadn't started it. Well, I started reading it this afternoon, and it is so easy to read, engaging, thought-provoking. Um, this may sound silly, but I thought, I, like, I really wanted to keep reading, but I'm looking at the clock. It's like, no, it's time to interview this guy, you know? It's, it really is good. And um, I, I just want to read a quote, if I may, that I read just in the first beginning pages, because I think it really deals with what it is that I'm about, and I think you're about, and I think even who's listening right now, yes, you, the one listening, this is what it's about. Um, and this is from the book, No Goodbyes. Once we accept the fact that we do reunite with our loved ones when we pass over, we can take another load off our minds when we accept that the soul is indestructible and life is eternal. We realize there is no such thing as death. We can let go of our fears and truly live each day to its fullest. Those are your words, my friend. And yeah. it it really is. I mean, I'm very excited to keep reading because we all have things that we deal with on a daily basis. And I'm always, as are you, interviewing people to help empower people. But to just have that bit of an edge and just any tools that you can give us or that you've collected from those working with you in the hereafter to help us on this journey. I mean, we all want that um, soul advancement. 
And if we could have some of it here while we're here, then there's even more soul advancement than we when we um, transition, right? Oh, that's very true. We do come here to enjoy life, to experience, but we do come here with the ultimate, the ultimate need and ambition to grow as a soul. Yeah, there's some things I don't want to do again, and if I can get the the gift, oh, maybe you could speak of that. I, I read that also in in the beginning of your book because grief can be very, very painful. But you mentioned too that there can be a gift in it. Everybody gets a gift, and I'm not talking about what's been left to you in the will. Right. Uh, with with Judy's passing, my gift was to open up as a medium and to then learn how to help other people in this area and go on and do that. Other people find a gift of, some people might find a gift of freedom from somebody passing over if they've been nursing uh, a loved one for many, many years and all of a sudden their life changes direction. There are many gifts and everybody has to look within themselves as to what that gift is. But there's always something that we can gain from somebody's passing. But grief as Judy said, is a natural part of our own preparation for our own passing. So that is something that we all have to go through. So anybody who's fighting grief and saying, oh, you, you stop grieving, you've had enough time to grieve, that's rubbish. You grieve and you do it in your own time. That's important. Yes, and it can take a long time. I figure the more you love, the longer you grieve sometimes. You know, it's tough. It can be. Yeah, it can it can be tough, but it's it's a part of life. Yeah. Well, and even my own gift, which my listeners have heard me share before, is um I got to write my book. I got to um follow my passion, uh write the book, learn a lot about grief. And Barry, I've had many people tell me they haven't commit suicide because of my chapter ten in my book. Uh it's all about grief. And yeah none of that would have ever happened had my dad not died the way he did and how I, you know, and I did the research. And so um, I had a medium on the show a couple of days ago and she said that dad is an active participant making sure I get this word out because there is so much suffering. That's right. And that's your gift that he gave you. Right. Pretty cool. Any closing words, my friend? Well, just to add on to what we're talking about here, Sandra, that... Mm-hmm. People who think they talk about losing a loved one. Oh, I've lost my father. I've lost my mother. I've lost my wife, my husband. So, no, we don't lose anybody. They are there. We we talk to them in our dreams. They are around us. We are going to be reunited with them. And as far as I'm concerned, there are no goodbyes. Oh, I love that. And how do we find out more about you? Do you have a website um, that we can... Look, I've got several websites. If you go into my radio program, Radio Out There, three words but all joined together, radiooutthere.com, you can then do links across to my other books. Um, I've got websites for both books, Afterlife and um, Also No Goodbyes. You can just Google me on that one if you want to. But it's it's quite easy. I'm, I'm out there. But my radio program is a sort of a lynch area. I do a weekly radio program on the internet, radiooutthere.com. So that's a good starting place. And you have hundreds of episodes all the podcasts are out there to listen to i love being in 2015 where you don't have to wait for next week's radio show i mean you can just any time of day or night go and listen that's very true yes i like to keep an archive about 12 months worth of programs i keep on archive oh that's fantastic well barry thank you so 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 much this has really been great Really great. Look, it's been it's been my pleasure, Sandra. A pleasure to talk to somebody who was a former skeptic and now is a an active participant in the I guess the, the wonderful movement to let people know that we do live forever. There is no such thing as death. We don't die. And it's fun to share this. It really it's fun to learn yeah. and it's fun to share. It so is. thank it you is. again. And and thank you to our listener, too, for taking the time to spend this hour with us. I hope it's been of value. It's been fun and insightful for me. And yes, I'm going to meditate before I go to bed this evening. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everyone to go to wedontdieradio.com. And if you haven't done this yet, uh, join the Insiders Club. It's free. All you need to do is put in your name and your email address. And I have secret, special, free gifts that you won't even believe that I'm 
I'm giving away by doing that. And also, um, there are those that are suffering from grief right now and want some hope that their loved ones are around and even just to understand grief. Um, you can go right to survivegrief.com. That's a direct link to listen. I have a 70-minute audio that is just about grief and what it is, it's, it's chapter 10 from my book and it, it has really made a difference. So I want to make sure you have that as well. So another thank you to the fabulous Mr. Barry Eaton coming from, to us from Australia and um, Barry, thanks again, and I look forward to being on your radio show. Indeed, mm-hmm. we, we certainly will be having a chat. Sandra, thank you <laughs> yeah, so much. I'm pushy girl. Okay, and this is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe with all my heart, spirit, and soul that life is an education for our souls and that your life here on Earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.